Welcome to the Hunting for Purpose podcast, the official podcast home for all human design manifestors. I'm your host, Holly Marie, a 4-6 clinic manifester, a certified human design teacher, and a manifester who is following her own creative urge to facilitate a thriving global community of aligned, powerful manifestors. Wherever you are at in your manifester journey, or even if you are here just because you love a manifester and you want to understand them a little bit more, this podcast is the place for you. Stick around for in-depth teaching, for real-life practical tips and understandings of the manifester journey, and how to become aligned and powerful and thriving as a manifester. You are here for global impact. You are here to change the world. The time is now. The journey is yours. This podcast is your home. Hello, beautiful listeners. Welcome back to this episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. This is a solo episode. You've just got me. You've got moi. You have Holly, Holly Marie. I mean, uh, people call me a lot of different things. I have an undefined G-Center, so I really am not concerned by what you call me (laughs) because I don't really feel like I have a specific identity. So refer to me in your head however you like. I know a lot of you tell me, which I find very humorous, that you hear me in my Australian accent saying things to you in your head. So um, you can just think of me as your uh, internal Australian voiceover, (laughs) I guess. This podcast episode uh, is a bit of a different one. I'm recording it impromptu i'm i'm recording it because i felt a ping from my spleen to record this now but this is something that has been requested of me a number of times and it has just not ever felt quite correct to put words to it and put voice to it and i guess something about today feels like the right time Um, i'm recording this in early may though this is not going to be released until the end of may and as it stands right now we have literally just come out of our eclipse portal so the two eclipses eclipses that we had back to back um, the scorpio full moon and we are coming up to the end of mercury retrograde so there's been a lot of movement a lot of looking backwards reflecting um looking at shadow, looking at wounding, uh, discovering communication and how that is showing up in relationships and, and what that is mirroring to me as an individual in my personal and in my professional life. And so I guess when I look at it, things like that way, I understand that, that that's why. That's why I feel um, like now is the right time to record this. So I want to do an episode on you on here an episode on you. That's funny. I want to do an episode on here for you that is very openly just sharing and disclosing the story of my previous business, how that came to be, what it was, what it looked like, and how it failed, how it broke, and what that journey was like for me. And I guess logically in my business head right at this moment i can't quite understand why this is relevant or uh, where this is going to land or what importance this has other than to say there's a lot about that experience that i now retrospectively look at and understand how my manifesto energy was at play and how it was creating some of those situations and also how I was in conditioning and not honoring my manifest energy and how that was contributing to a lot of situations. So yeah, I guess I guess we'll just talk and we'll see and and I'm going to put my trust in believing that this is going to be relevant for you guys. This is going to be somehow healing and impacting for you. So story time, hey? Let's dive right in and and let's see how long this takes. (laughs) This is not something that I speak about often. There are actually not too many people in my life who are um, aware of all of the details. This is the first time that I will publicly be sharing the details of it. So like a good old manifesto that I am, it's go big or go home, I guess. Like if if you're going to share an entire uh, private story, why not do it with 200,000 listeners? Like... Oh, far out. Sometimes I laugh at myself as a manifester. Okay, so back in 2014, 
late 2014, uh, I had been operating for a number of years as a business consultant that had been born out of my exit from nursing. I was actually a registered nurse. I, when I left school, I went straight to university. I did most of my nursing degree. Um, I got right up until my final year and then took a break, which again, I can now see was a, a rest cycle and I was bored with the urge and I wanted to disconnect. And so I went away and then I came back and I finished the degree and um, realized when I got into nursing that in fact, I did not want to be a nurse at all. And um, that was very confusing to me because I loved the profession and so much of it was absolutely correct, but I could not look past the niggling sense that there was this 5% that did not feel correct to me. So I took an opportunity to move into business, which is something that I just, I had never ever, ever contemplated before. Like I don't, I don't come from a family of, of entrepreneurs. I don't come from a social network where anybody owns their own businesses. I, now I do, but back then nothing at all. My family was very white collar workers and, you know, my, uh, social grouping were people who were finishing university and going into stable careers. And, um, business had just never entered my realm of thought. And I got through my social network. How line four is this? There was the brother of an acquaintance of mine who needed somebody to come into his business, which was a trades business. It was a plumbing business. He needed somebody to come in and basically overhaul the business because they were losing money. They were having trouble with staff. They needed systems put in place. And somewhere along the line, I got thought of for this position and asked to come in for a few months to help. I ended up staying in that business part-time for several years. Um, and it really launched me into business consultancy. I, I stepped into business management in that role. I discovered that I loved business. It was like oxygen to me. My brain understood it. it. I thrived in that place. That business thrived, which was really beautiful to see. And um, I then moved from that to this kind of quasi like business consultant role over the period of time where I was having my children, um, which I mean, holler to all of the mothers out there, knowing what it's like trying to work while pregnant and babies and toddlers and all of the rest. Um, and so what I would do as a business consultant was that I would take on kind of two to three businesses at a time where I would go to work with them in their business. So I would be with them for anywhere from kind of four to eight or nine months. And I would work with them in the business as, as a consultant and somewhat as an employee so that I could get a really good understanding of exactly where the issues were occurring. What's the problem? I, you know, is this a, um, accounting issue? Is this a HR issue? Is this a product issue? Is it a promotional issue? Is it a management issue? Is it a debt issue, right? So where where is the actual issue? And of course, with everybody, there were multiple issues. And I, over time, um, ended up in the hospitality scene, which was not something I'd ever done. I, I think, I don't know what this is like overseas, but in Australia, when you are kind of coming up as a teenager and, you know, doing your... <laughs> doing your career pathway when you get your first job, you kind of either go into hospitality or you go into retail. And I had gone into retail. So I'd come up, you know, working in department stores and retail shops, and I had never worked in hospitality before at all, which I guess was pretty unusual for somebody at my age. Most of my friends had done hospitality instead of retail. But um, I kind of fell into the hospitality scene doing this business consultancy where I, I never advertised, never, ever promoted. It was always word of mouth and I would finish up with a client and I'd get referred to somewhere else, you know, complete word of mouth. I, I would just get a phone call from someone saying, hey, we heard that you worked with these people and they really liked you and we want you to come and work with us. And so I would just bounce. I would bounce between different people all the time, which really suited me that again, looking back as a manifesto, that was a really suitable way of approaching work is that I felt autonomous. It was always new. It was kind of fresh. I didn't have to seek anything out. Um, and I really got to set my terms and my parameters on things. 
So uh, by the time that I ended up in hospitality, uh, I was working and consulting with a business that was a conglomerate. It owned, uh, at that time, it owned six different hospitality businesses. There were two events venues, there was um, two restaurants, there was a bar and there was a bakery. And I stayed with them for quite a while. I stayed with them for quite a long time, well past what I normally would. I actually put down a number of my other uh, clients to work with these guys because the business was so big and it did have a number of issues. But I just, I fell in love with them. I fell in love with what they were doing. I wanted to stay. I was reaching the point where I was several years into doing business consultancy and I was getting bored. I was getting bored with the game. And so what I had done was uh, I'd gone back and done qualifications, which I have discovered is very much part of my design. I have the 1648 channel. It's a lot about mastery and I love being educated. I love having uh, qualifications. And so throughout that time, I had been working on getting my event management qualification because it just seemed interesting to me. It just seemed cool. Um, And once I had that completed, I actually moved from business consultant with these guys into being the event manager across two of their venues. I was co-sharing that role with somebody else. um, And that was a nightmare. That was an absolute nightmare. That was certainly one of the times when it became really, really apparent to me how threatening a manifester can be to someone else. And I, I repelled that woman like nobody's business. I mean, she hated me with a force that I don't think I've ever seen before or since. (laughs) Like she, I just repelled her guys. She, she could not deal with me. was absolutely threatened by me. It didn't seem to matter what I did, what I said, what I didn't do, what I didn't say. Um, it just, she just was repelled by me when everybody else was magnetized to me. And so I stayed for a couple of bumpy years trying to make this thing work, trying to make this professional relationship work for the for my own gain, for their gain, for the benefit of the business. And really it reached the point where it was just untenable. Throughout all of this time, I had periodically kind of bounced in and out of another business that had been a client of mine. And um, they owned a cafe, a cafe venue, a very, very big cafe venue. It was actually a specialty cafe venue that ran high-end events and retail as well. They were really inspiring people, had built the business from the ground up out of nothing, like true entrepreneurs, and they built it into this fairly amazing brand Um, And so I had worked with them on and off. I'd worked with them as clients. I had worked with them as an employee. I had a close relationship with them. We just sort of had this very like flexible symbiosis where I would come in when they needed me and then, you know, not be obligated to stay all the time. And so as I was trying to journey through the difficult working relationship in this other venue, um, I was aware that these other people were going through the very slow, painful death throes of bankruptcy, of their business was liquidating. Um, they had made a couple of very poor business decisions with big financial impact, had invested very, very big in some risky places, and it hadn't paid off. It didn't pan out. And sadly, as happens in business, it crippled them financially until they reached the point where they could no longer continue forward. So throughout this time, I had been in open conversation with everyone. I was reaching the point personally where I was really feeling like I have spent all of these years contributing to the success of other people's businesses and I don't feel successful because I know that I could do this for myself, but I don't have an idea. Again, in retrospect, I think what I was waiting for was an urge and I I hadn't had one. I didn't, you know, I knew that I could do business. I just didn't know what business wanted to come from me. And I was getting very resentful and very angry about contributing so meaningfully to other people's businesses and to their success and initiating for them, but then not receiving the benefit of that myself. So when I was approached by these cafe owners and friends to say, hey, we're going down, but we want the business to be saved. 
and you're the only person that can come in and do that. Would you buy the business? It was like the sunlight came out, right? It was like, here must be the opportunity that I was waiting for. This must be it, right? This, you know, I've, I've paid my dues. I've done my time. I've worked hard. Now this is my success. Very, very deep sacral conditioning there, right? I should be satisfied. This is exactly what I've been wanting all along. But the price tag that they had on the business was far too high, far too high. And so, you know, I, they were asking for half a million dollars at that point. And, and we went back and forth a few times, but ultimately I just did not play in circles with people who had that kind of money to invest. And I didn't have that kind of money to invest. So I said no, and that felt very peaceful, very calm. And I sort of just returned to where I had been and, and uh, continuing to try and make this other professional relationship work and showing up and doing the things. And I didn't feel like I had lost anything. It was only a few weeks later that the owner of that cafe had come to me at work one day, completely panicked and in desperation and pulled me aside and and said to me, we've just signed the business into liquidation. It's done. It's happened this morning. By 5 p.m. today, all of the staff are going to be notified that they don't have a job anymore. They had a number of people on staff who were on work visas as well. It was a big complication. And he said, I have orchestrated investors for you. I've orchestrated people who are going to buy it out of liquidation and let you buy it for just $120,000, but they're going to front the money for you as well. So you don't have to pay that back in, until you are in the business and you can pay it back interest-free in installments. There was a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure in that moment. And I was very well aware that I was being manipulated very well. I mean, my spleen was like on fire. I knew I was being manipulated. But what was being triggered for me was my core wound around inadequacy. My core wound is gate 48. The wound on that is that I fear that I am inadequate, that everything that I am, everything that I do is somehow inadequate, not good enough. And here was this presentation of this opportunity with all the ticks in all the right boxes saying, here we go, here's proof that you are adequate. Here's proof that you are amazing, that you are the only person chosen for this. And to boot at the same time, you can help all of these people that you love and respect, right? Line four, line six, really pulling at those for me. I rang my husband. We had a brief conversation about it. I said, okay, I'm in. I'll do it but I want to know who the investors are. And that information was deliberately withheld from me for several weeks after that. And once I came to know who the investors were, who were people that were notoriously aggressive, menacing, uh, greedy, very, very immoral. I had come across them in business before and I had sternly, sternly avoided them with very firm boundaries. And then I realized these are the people that I'm now working with. And I've made this agreement and here, here I am. And that certainly was a, a triggering of a lot of wounds for me. Um, that was a, definitely a triggering of that inadequacy of, well, I can't back out of this because then I would be not good enough. Um, it triggered my fear of being a failure not a fear of failing, but a fear of being a failure. That if, again, if I stepped out, I would be letting people down. Um, I would be shirking my responsibility and I would be the failure in that situation. I certainly feared judgment. I feared rejection. Uh, I come from a, a heavily traumatic childhood. I, I feared the consequences of upsetting people and what that would mean for me. And I was hyper vigilant at that point in time of 
Um, I have to do what is being told to me that I have to do to keep everybody happy. Otherwise, it's really going to be a catastrophe here. And I know what happens in catastrophes, right? I get abused or other people get abused. And so I, I went through with it. There were a number of kind of steps in the meantime that were all occurring with all of these junctions, all of these points where I could have put my hand up and said, this is not okay, I need to stop, I need to back out. I was not being told that I could back out, certainly not. I was being you know, pushed and forced forward. But there were times where I could have done that for myself and I chose not to. The day that I took over the business, we had agreed that there would be no cessation of trade. So the business would carry on with trade, with no disruption, um, that the staff would not, there was no agreement that the staff would not be told about the transfer of ownership. I was just told that that was what was going to happen. Um, and that at some point in the future, the staff would be told uh, because the staff all knew me, right? So it just looked like I was coming into work and that the the customers were not to know that there was a, a handover of ownership of the business. It's all very hidden. There was a lot of secrets. There was a lot of agendas at play that I suspected and could feel but couldn't quite articulate and name. And on the very first day that I entered the business, one of my very close friends died in childbirth. She was a midwife. We had done our nursing degree together and she suddenly died uh, in giving birth prematurely to her second daughter. There was a massive movement of the earth underneath my feet on that day. It was like the world flipped and clarity came hard and heavy. And I realized I've made a mistake. I have done the wrong thing here. I should not have bought this. I should not be in this position. I do not want this. This is not what I want for my life. And yet I was stuck because at that point I was in agreements and contracts and my name was all over everything. And I don't know um, how many of you as manifestors have experienced that when we uh, lock, I guess, allow ourselves to get locked into a corner, to get trapped in something and when we realize that we're trapped how unsettling that is for us right how out of alignment it is for us to realize i do not have freedom i do not have autonomy i am under somebody else's control here and this is not where i want to be i never wanted this um I think that it's central to who we are. It's central to our sovereignty. It's central to our ability to access our power. And so when, when we are in a position where that has been removed or has been given away, I think we lose ourselves. And it's a, a deep depression settles over us as manifestors. It's, it's like an a animal that's been caged, right? It's like a, a cheetah that... <laughs> You know, to refer to, to Glennon Doyle's analogy in Untamed, it's like a, a cheetah that's been put in the zoo and asked to perform, right? This kind of proud animal with all of this prowess and prestige and power that has been put in a arena, a small arena and told to jump for the pleasure of others. Um, I feel like that's what happens to manifestors when our power is given or taken by others. It was not surprising everything that came next in terms of the internal experience of the business. Um, the previous business owners remained involved. There was a lot of manipulative tactics there. Um, I quickly came to realize in the first several weeks, it was like an avalanche. It was just an avalanche of all of these things that had been hidden that suddenly came to light. All of this was happening over my satin return as well. So um, all of these themes of kind of power and abuse and hidden secrets, I mean, that that was my satin return. I was revisiting the trauma of my childhood in a different setting. And so there was a lot of stuff that came out of the woodwork. You know, there was a class action lawsuit from previous employees. There was uh, unpaid suppliers. There was um, undeclared debt into the triple digits, right? There was... Um, 
the income that was declared as coming into the business was about 10% of what was actually declared. So um, there was barely any income coming into the business whatsoever, certainly not enough to trade. Um, There was broken equipment that uh, you know, had been listed as working like fundamental equipment. There was um, asset finance on equipment as well, that asset finance on broken equipment, even that equipment that wasn't working. There was contracts all over the place that needed my name signed onto them in order to just continue trading. There was licensing that was being withheld and not put under my name that was then being used as a threat to shut the business down. Um, I was hemmed in from from all angles i was hemmed in and just trying desperately to keep trade going to look after staff this was my first gig as a hospitality business owner and uh you know it was a big business and it was in shambles and i was working seven days a week 16 hours a day for anybody who's come from hospitality you'll understand that um you know it's a tough business and you work long hours and it's really hard on your body and on your brain And I was doing all of that at the same time as trying to have all of this stuff thrown at me on the the back end of the business and try to find what was truth and what wasn't truth and what were my obligations and what was not. And all the while having the previous owners still involved telling stories, right? And um, in my experience, telling lies um, to cover cover what they'd done. Um, It was not long after that that things blew up and uh there was an enormous fracture between myself the previous business owners and the investors it was coming of course um it was when i put my foot down and said no more no more right this is under my control it's my name on the business ownership and it will be my decision going forward and of course that was very threatening to people that was very um confronting to people i think what i see now is that it was unpredictable they didn't expect me to do that i i hadn't pre-informed i knew nothing about informing right i just been going about my own process and then when i finally did inform that was not what they expected to come from me and and they were all very threatened very, very threatened by it. And and this huge power play started to happen, which sadly over a period of several months resulted in uh, death threats towards me, was death threats towards my children. There was um, things being hacked, um, you know, my, my email being hacked, elements of the business being hacked, the business social media was hacked. There were, it was blackmail and extortion and, um, uh, a full loss of control, I, I think, is the reality. I, you know, to be compassionate to the other people involved in this experience, I think that they lost, lost perspective of themselves, um, certainly lost perspective of our previous relationship, and it just disintegrated very spectacularly and very, very stressfully, while at the same time, I maintained the functionality of the business on the front end, right? We maintained service. I was maintaining the staff. We were trying to maintain the, that money coming in every week. Uh, this this kind of went on for a long, long period of time. It was always variations of that. I think after that initial big explosion, the previous owners did disappear. I, I did have to pay them to leave, to go away. And uh, then the investors, because they had been disrupted by all of this, um, felt that they needed more financial gain from this. And so there was starting to be a lot of like dipping their hands into the business and taking money out, which the business certainly could not sustain. Um, and we kind of just limped along. It just kept going with, with sort of one blow after the other. It was one crisis after the other, one issue after the other, and, and just constantly trying to problem solve and pick up the pieces and bring my team of staff together and, and um, you know, create new products and do promotional work and uh, get this business bringing money in, just get the business bringing money in. That That went on for a little under two years and on the outside the business did gloriously well on the outside i i 
it was a you know it appeared i think it appeared to people and there was this was reflected financially but it appeared to people that the business was great we we did a refurb of the business um we dropped thirty thousand dollars into doing that um we were picking trade back up again i i took that business from from nothing essentially there was basically no money in it to um, by around that second year, we were sitting at just over $2 million annual turnover. So, you know, we'd had a big turnaround. The business was uh, winning awards for its front of house service, uh, which was the team that I had built and the team that I had trained. And um, certainly we still had issues. We still had areas to fix up. But on, on the outside, it looked successful. It, it looked like it was working. And even though we were kind of reaching this time of relative peace, I mean, some of the chaos was starting to settle down and disappear. There weren't as many people coming at me all the time. Uh, I was fracturing. I was fracturing. I was mentally fracturing. I don't think that I ever came up back out of that depression of realising I've lost control, right? I don't have power of myself here. I don't have autonomy. I'm being used by other people for their own agendas. I really, I think in in reflection, I never came out of that place from that first day of owning the business. And so by the time we hit two years, I was really starting to mentally suffer. Um, my my mental narrative was getting quite dark. It was the first time in my life that I'd really started to experience clinical depression and suicidal ideation. I was struggling to keep my own head above water and to keep myself alive. My body started to fall apart. I was ignoring everything within myself, ignoring my intuitive understanding, ignoring my need for rest, ignoring where my energy really wanted to go. Um, I was not informing, not communicating well, certainly to the people that mattered. You know, I was communicating well professionally, but not personally. And um, my, my body made a big noise and started talking to me as the body does, because when you push all of that inwards and the body is forced to hold it then the body will start telling you that it is holding it and i i developed rather rapidly uh a heart condition this uh kind of mystery heart condition stress induced where my heart would start beating in an erratic rhythm it's called arrhythmia my heart would beat really erratically for a couple of minutes and then I would stop breathing. My breath would just stop. It's like my lungs would just cease functioning and I would lose consciousness. It was, it, it happened, you know, once and then it was twice and then it was 10 times and then it was happening once a day and twice a day, five times a day. By about four months into that process, it was happening 15 times a day. Of course, I saw doctors uh, I saw several cardiologists. I had tests and tests and tests done. I had, they tried to put me on different medications. It didn't work. Um, it was a mystery. I was put in this mystery box and it got so extreme, so extreme as an early 30-year-old woman <laughs> losing the ability to breathe and to have consciousness. They were not panic attacks, um, though I did also have panic attacks at that time not many but I had a few and I I landed myself in hospital a number of times because of all of these things with my staff quite literally and my friends quite literally picking me up off the floor of the commercial kitchen and taking me to hospital um and it reached the point where I I had gotten to kind of the most prestigious cardiologist around and he said we don't know what this is other than stress. It's clearly stress-related. And if you don't stop what you are doing to cause this stress, you are going to die. And there is nothing that we can do to stop that from happening. He said this, you cannot put this kind of strain on your heart function day after day after day and not cause damage. You are going to have a cardiac arrest at some point. And... There was no sadness in that moment for me. There was no surprise. 
in that moment for me at all. What I felt was an enormous wave of relief and permission because it was exactly the enforcement that I needed to be my get out of jail card. It was exactly what I needed to be able to go to the investors and say, I'm, I have to break contract and I have to leave. And it's not because I'm quitting and it's not because I'm giving up. It's not because I'm a failure. It's because I'm going to die if I stay. Uh, that of course created its own, its own issues. Then wrapping up a business, trying to exit a contract arrangement with investors who were very, very angry and very, very upset and were vindictive and vengeful. And uh, although they were receiving a multi-million dollar business um, as a departing gift, that was not enough for them. They were they were angry that I guess the money tap was getting turned off and that they would need to find somebody else to take this business. And so there was there was about two months of going back and forth, of fighting, just trying to fight to exit. And uh, there was still debt attached to the business from the previous owners that I had been steadily trying to pay down, um, but still still existed. And in the end, I had to leave leave the business, hand over everything, all of the asset, all of the stock, all of the money, all the renovation and and everything that we had put in. So it was approximately $2 million worth of a trading business. And I took on $180,000 of debt from the previous ownership. And I left with that, Uh, which was certainly a, a, a door slam on the whole theme of that adventure and um, a space of, okay, here I am revisiting this exact theme. I've returned full circle to the first day of realizing I do not have freedom here. I do not have control here. My strings are being pulled by someone else. And in me trying to own my power and own my space and own really what is owed to me, what I have earned here, uh, that is being responded to with such anger and such veracity that I I am actually too weak to take on that fight and win. So I had to concede within myself, and it um, it was an extremely painful time, extremely emotionally painful time. We managed to avoid bankruptcy coming out uh, we managed to only just hold on to our family home though we were broke very very broke um, struggling to feed our children struggling to uh, put gas petrol in the car Um, my husband had been working full-time this whole time I had not paid myself a wage for two years Um, and there was just simply no way that I could accommodate paying down all of that debt quickly so we were in payment plans everywhere I was having debt collectors calling I was still losing consciousness multiple times a day even though the business was was done and was behind me I felt this enormous weight of responsibility to every single staff member in the sense that I had let them all down that I hadn't done enough that I I had been a failure to them and it was a it was a very 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 long time and a very very deep amount of hard work to pull myself from that place i had to go to get a job pretty much immediately within a couple of weeks because we had no money and we had debt collection and we had to have money coming in and um you know, I, I entered into a couple of really bad workplaces. I made a couple of bad decisions about just working for for really poor people who uh, damaged me further, wounded me further because I, I had such low self-worth at that point. Um, but over time, I really was able to to heal my body, to heal my mind. That was the point at which I went through a spiritual awakening. I mean, I think that everything that, that happens here, everything that we now have in the manifesto community is an outworking of this one experience for me. Um, it's so central to my experience of business. It's so central to my 
knowledge and experience of energetics, of spirituality, of um, conditioning, of wounding, of shadow work. It's it's pivotal to me. So um, I I pay honor to that. Right, that I that was what sparked me to go into my spiritual awakening because I legitimately felt like I had no choice. I, it came on to me. I it was it was spiritually awaken or die, and I then went into a journey of several years of spiritual awakening. Eventually, did move into the position of of being a spiritual business coach in the online space. I wanted to do business. Absolutely wanted to still remain in business, but I was terrified of doing public business again because I was still getting recognized by people and it was still being kind of brought up and rehashed and triggered in my reality. And I was just trying to heal. I was just trying to hide. I, I wanted to be not seen, not known, not recognized. And, and again, uh, that's conditioning for a manifester. That's that wounded shadow state for a manifester. Um and so I started in online business where I thought that I could, I thought that I could be anonymous. I thought that I could hide. Um, I had to heal my way up to being a coach. I started as a blogger. <laughs> that did not work. Then I healed myself to the point of being able to be seen a little bit and to recognize my, my ability to impact people. And so I moved into spiritual business coaching. That was very successful. I did build that business to a six-figure business in its first year and and then had a revisitation of that same theme of I've made this successful. The business is succeeding, but I don't feel successful. I feel the same gut punch that I felt with the cafe. I feel the same emptiness. I feel the same kind of sinking sense of nausea that this is not right that I've followed all of the rules and I've done all of these things I've been told and I've implemented all of the strategies and yet I don't feel successful. I don't feel good. I don't feel peaceful. I don't feel aligned. Like I, I don't even feel recognized or, or I don't feel like I'm even honoring myself. I don't like this. I don't like it at all. Human design had entered my life during that time and I'd been really really resistant to it because I had so many other modalities already so many other languages and I thought man it's just an it's just another language it's just another set of labels I don't want to go into it but it had persistently continued to come back into my space back 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 into my space and so um in 2020 when I arrived at the point of saying I am going to shut down my business. I'm I'm done. I'm not going to be a spiritual business coach and I have no idea what is coming next. Human design had already been in my life for a couple of years at that point. I just hadn't taken it hugely seriously. That all combined at the same time where I shut down my business and I said, all right, I'm, I'm going to honor what it means to be a manifester. I'm going to learn. I'm not seeing anybody. I don't see anybody who is an example for me to look to. There is nobody teaching on manifestors, nobody who can really truly help me understand what this experience is for me. So I'm going to master it for me. That's what I'm going to do. And I don't know what that's going to look like on the other side, but I'm going to do it. And I went into my very first honored rest cycle. It lasted about eight months. I did a whole, a whole human design and gene key certification during that time. I actually qualified in a number of modalities. I became, you know, a Reiki 2 master. I did um, certification in rebirthing breath work and meditation and EFT and, you know, a number of things. Um, it was my first real rest. And when I came out on the other side of that, the creative urge that was born was what we now have as the manifesto community. That was three years ago that that happened. And it was all born out of a place of radical self-discovery of I knew that I was a manifester. I knew that that meant something. I knew that that was important. And I knew that I had not honored that in the past, that I had had these kind of two successful businesses, successful in air quotes, right, financially successful businesses, where I had not honored myself in the process, where I really had not been a manifester. I'd, I'd been a manifesting generator at best, right? 
and that those had both damaged me and I didn't want to repeat that but I didn't know how to do it differently other than to just say well I block everything out I block all the rules out I block all the the strategies and the systems and everything that everyone's telling me that I'm meant to do that's meant to make me feel good I'm blocking all of that out it's gone and I'm just going to be with myself and with my energy and I'm going to master what being a manifester means for me and hopefully in doing that I'll find alignment and what surprised me was that I didn't just find alignment in that I found my creative urge I found my energy cycles I found my voice I found um you know my my splenic authority I and I found I think you know what feels to me like at least a very significant part of my mission here is to have been the person to create this community to bring this work to bring this teaching um and I never I never would have come up with that in my head it just never would have come up with that in my head so you know, I, I think that there are these experiences that we have as manifestors, right, where we feel this acute pain of um, having been through journeys where we haven't been allowed to be ourselves, either because we haven't allowed it or because other people haven't allowed it or maybe both, right, where we really haven't been allowed to be the manifester, where that has been traumatized, where that has been abused and we are these kind of walking wounded we are, and, and we bring that forward until we can address that and deal with that and really come into that radical, radical self-reclamation. I think that every single manifest, I truly believe every single manifester needs to go through that journey of radical self-reclamation where we say, enough, enough. You know, I'm stopping all of it. I'm exiting. I'm bailing out of this whole godforsaken system, right? Um, I'm not being who I used to be. I'm not being who you want me to be. I'm not following the rules. I'm not following the strategy. I'm vacating. I'm coming home to me. And then we will see what gets born on the other side of me being me. And that feels so kind of distant in my past now that, that sometimes I forget it. And I forget how significant that previous business failure was in, in kind of catalyzing me forward into this whole trajectory, this entire journey here. And yet it, it was everything. I think having that, that very Saturn return confronting journey of here are all of the consequences for, for trying to be something other than what you are. Here are all of the consequences for trying to minimize yourself to pacify other people. Here are all of the consequences for not speaking. Here are all of the impacts for, for not informing. Here are um, all of the, the issues that get caused by not following your inner guidance, your intuition, your splenic voice. All of that was wrapped up in that lesson and piece by piece by piece in mastering myself as a manifester I was able to place those lessons and and able to come into awareness of them and change them and move move the way that I behaved going forward and that's always that's always made sense to me as I've moved along but I think I've I just have kept that private um because I I don't know I think that <laughs> I think that manifestors are private sometimes and um there's probably a space here for me in in coming home to understanding how integrated this all has been and how important it is for other manifestors to hear that yeah the the journey out and away from being a sacral being from being in this conditioned state um it's painful it's really painful and it can take quite a while and yet it's it's exactly what is required and it's so rewarding and so necessary and is going to birth things out of you that you never ever saw coming that are quite literally, quite literally going to change the world. It's going to leave a footprint on the world that never would have been there if you hadn't done that, if you hadn't birthed it, if you hadn't gone through that personal journey. So there's this aspect here of of uh, failure and pain, I think, being really important features in the history of a manifesto journey and what we do with that when we can own it and we can use it for uh, the holding of our sovereignty, learning to hold our sovereignty and our power. 
Okay, that's been a lot of talking. That's been nearly an hour of talking. I feel like that's all my spleen wants to say. <laughs> I really truly do hope that that in sharing this, it has had some kind of meaningful impact on your journey, that there have been moments of resonance, that there have been moments of uh, healing, of recognizing yourself, of feeling feeling witnessed. I want you to feel witnessed in whatever experience you're having. And I, I think that I also want you guys to um, have a clearer picture of me that uh, I didn't I didn't wake up one morning and arrive here at the Manifesto community. <laughs> um, I, I went through a lot of a lot of trauma. I went through a lot of pain and it, it was a multi-year process and I, and I'm still moving through some pieces of that. But I think it shows that beauty can come from you even in and through that as long as you are honoring yourself and honoring your role as the initiator and just really trusting those creative urges, really, really trust those creative urges. So whatever creative urge is coming through you um, or whatever need for rest is coming through you, I hope this encourages you to honor that and to honor that um, with self-assurance and with confidence and with trust because it's going to be magical. Whatever it is, it's going to be magical. So thanks for listening. Thanks for being here for this podcast episode. Uh, we're going to resume kind of our normal, more manifestory type content <laughs> after this. Our next episode coming up is a guest episode next week. And it's with the beautiful, beautiful generator, Christina from Glow Glow Juice HD. You're going to love her. She's so gorgeous. Um, and she's going to be sharing all of her insights about um, manifestors and why she loves them. So definitely join in for that one. And... Thanks for being here today, guys. I hope this helped. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us today in another episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. We so enjoy having you here. And whether you are listening to my insights or the wisdom of one of our other incredibly talented manifesto specialists, we really, truly hope that you have taken away power, transformation, and wisdom about your own manifesto magnificence. Before you go and switch off, we would be so humbly grateful if you could take the time to either leave a podcast review right on the platform that you're listening to, or if you feel like it, please do a share across your social media. We love to hear how each of the episodes is impacting you, and we love to provide an opportunity for you to inform us via social media. So please share a story or a post about this episode and tag us at The Manifesto Community. Until next time, please, manifestors, keep hunting for purpose.